Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, and welcome to a Martin Luther King special, I guess, in the sense that it is Martin Luther King Day. Um, so we... Uh, celebrating his life i guess and just you know um trying to be good samaritans and whatnot and just honor his legacy um however we are not talking about movies that uh, that he's the subject of however we are at least acknowledging what today is and the importance of it today is also betty white's one or would have been betty white's 100th birthday as well so two things to celebrate uh today so hi patrick how's it going <laughs> all right Jeff, <laughs> that <how are> weird <laughs> with that weird segue <laughs> i'm doing all right well last week we talked about how the snow had melted and gone away today it has returned uh, some parts got hit harder than others we i think we lucked out though on our end, uh, at least for me, uh, uh, kind of northeast of town, just east of town, we didn't get it as near as bad, more of a dusting than anything. So uh, I'm happy with that because that's less I got to worry about. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, here it was less coverage. Like last night, before, I went to, before it got dark, I could see that there was still some road visible. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, it's not too bad. And I, Looked out a little a little later, and it was still kind of the same. And then I went out this morning, and there's clear, clear road to drive on. Now my little side street that I take, I don't know how that looks, right. but at least right in front of the road. And then I parked on the side of the street, so I'm good getting at least getting on the road. And it'll be like last time, as long as I get to the main streets, it should be good. Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, I haven't gone out yet, but our yeah, our road's fine too. It's nothing <laughs> yeah. i mean probably blow away with the strong wind but yep we got lucky i think however the kids are slightly disappointed <laughs> but grayson still got to go out and play in it last night and uh york got to go play with his dogs at his mom's in the backyard and have fun so that's good yeah you know, to each their own um this week for tv man uh the first three episodes of HBO Max's Peacemaker, which is a spinoff of the latest Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. Uh, Peacemaker stars John Cena as piss. piss I almost said Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he is too, but it's not, it's not that would, like that's coming. a, that's a different kind of movie on uh, a like different a kind of channel. Well, that would fit the Cinemax part of HBO Max, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Lord. It's going to be like, it's going to be a rough episode this way I'm starting out. Peacemaker. There we go. Uh, Freddie Stroma plays Adrian Chase, a.k.a. Vigilante. Chuck Woody Iwiji as Clemson Murr. Jennifer Holland as Amelia Harcourt. Steve, Steve Agee as John Economist, Robert Patrick as Augie Smith, uh, Peacemaker's father, 
Danielle Brooks as Leota Adebayo, and then Annie Chang as Sophia Song, and Lachlan Monroe as Larry Fitzgibbon. But I don't want to get too far ahead, because that's... If I would have kept going in the credits, I would have spoiled it for the third episode if people hadn't made it that far yet. Uh, basically, the Peacemaker picks up where the end of Suicide Squad... Well, picks up from... Uh, picks up where Suicide Squad ended. Basically, it's the origin of the DC superhero so dedicated to world peace that he is prepared to use force of arms and uh, to achieve it. So he he's that dude that's like so full of himself that he loses sight of the actual goal, but he's like so focused on freedom and stuff that he's willing to sacrifice people's freedoms for it, which is kind of humorous in a way, slightly ironic. <laughs> this show is extremely funny. It is not meant for kids. It is barely even meant for teens. True. Uh, it would have to be like late teens to, to really be for it to be appropriate because it is definitely like it would be a hard R. It's more rated R than the actual Suicide Squad movie. Suicide Squad movie was. True. And yeah, uh, it came out. It dropped uh, this past Thursday, and the next they dropped three episodes. There's only eight in the season. With the next episode uh, coming out this Thursday, January 20th. It is written and directed by James Gunn. And his his uh, DNA is all over the show. Between the humor, the good, the uh, between the jokes, the good storytelling, the ability to take obscure, the ability to take obscure uh, characters and make them like stars, I guess, you know, just and to basically household names. So it's in introducing some new characters in the process. I thought it was really well done. Uh, it, it, it is different. It's not like anything you've seen from a DC show really, or even a DC movie even because even the suicide squad movie wasn't, like this. No. This is in a world of its own, I guess is a good way to word that. Sure. They gave him freedom to do do whatever. No pun intended. Yeah. But um <laughs> so I kinda watched them like one episode a day. So the first episode I went I didn't really care for the first episode. I like I like the side characters more, like supporting cast. Agreed. I like John Cena less as Peacemaker. And then in the intro, I watched it the first time. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm watching this again. So every time it comes on, I can skip it. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) You're right. It it just, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me. Um, But yeah, the first episode, I was kind of, eh. Second episode was more entertaining, got better, and then third episode. So if if you haven't watched the next two and only one, it gets better. Give it, it, yeah, give it some time. Yeah, let it grow on you. Because you know the first episode's always going to be of any show, really. It's always going to be the toughest one because they got to lay the groundwork mm-hmm. for what the show is going to be about. Yeah. Like, listen, this is what we got to we got to start here, 
then we could work our way up, you know, then we can build up. I mean, it's like any, I mean, really any even network show, you have to kind of start one place and then move up from there. So um, building the world. Yep. Got to build that world. So we, uh, so we are, uh, yeah, Peacemaker is very different and very interesting for sure. I'm, I have a feeling I'll grow to like it more. I mean, I, it's funny. Like, it's... But it's not for everybody. It is not going to be one of those that's going to be for everybody. No. No. <laughs> There's one scene where I was like, well, you might know what I'm talking about without me having to say it. Like, well, I didn't need to see that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And, um, yeah. Anybody thinking kids can watch it, don't. Don't do it. <laughs> Unless they Going somehow come up with a, a you know, a, a, a edited version. Right. Yeah. It'd be severely edited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just seemed, and Peacemaker just seemed like a big kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like he just, during, because in child development, they talk about how when you mentally mature, mm-hmm. like when you reach a certain age, you're supposed to mentally mature in these various different stages between infant, adult, uh, Infant, child, adolescent, adult. Your body should be growing, but so should your 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 mind and your yeah. brain and personality should be growing. But sometimes people get stuck and don't mentally, uh, I guess, age up. I guess you could say, yeah, progress. Or and that's kind of where peacemaker. That's where peacemaker is. He's he got stuck kind of in that at almost adolescent, almost angsty teenager <laughs> kind of yeah. kind of mindset. But with his dad's background <laughs> and personality, unfortunately. Yeah. Robert Patrick plays his dad, and it is it's it's hilarious just to look at his hair. Cause this I the entire time I'm going what is going on with this man's hair? Yeah. I was like, please tell me that this was his choice and not like, cause I would love it even more forever. Patrick's like, you know what? I want to take this crazy hair. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to add some. Just and James could just be yeah. like, go with it. It's like, we're just happy to have you on set. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm kind of and I am kind of surprised I didn't get Michael Rooker to do it, you know, with their history and everything. Because Rooker could have pulled it off too, but I'm glad they got Robert Patrick though. It's true. It's a but little more, like, well, I guess you, you kind of expect it from Michael Rooker. Kind of expect it from Robert Patrick if you've seen some of his roles though. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of his roles. So. Okay. Well, he uh, he used to be in a show called The Unit with uh, Dennis Haysbert, Scott Foley. Uh, Max Martini and a couple others that I used to really love. To me, it was like as close to like a a uh, grounded version of GI Joe as possible. You know, minus mm-hmm. the code names and the laser guns, but a more grounded version of it. Yeah, because they were secret military groups that went on these you know top secret missions to infiltrate. Anyways, four seasons of it. If you haven't watched it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's really good. Um, Anyways, uh, Robert Patrick was in it and you know, played kind of the head of the unit. And 
So I could see him being like this gung-ho military guy that is, you know, misogynistic, racist, just kind of like not a good person, but, you know, hoorah America. But it's disillusioned with the way things have been going as far as the country. Um, And then John Cena having to come in and be like, listen, I'm, you know, trying to basically prove to his dad that he's, you know, he's worthy by, you know, being a superhero and all that. Well, not really an anti-hero, I guess, more than anything. Yeah. And uh, that relationship is pretty interesting. So, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I think I like the supporting. I would rather watch a movie with just the supporting cast. Uh, Just take Peacemaker out of it. So I think it's just more entertaining or 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 just have like a rotating member of the Suicide Squad. Pop in. Yeah, just pop in. Like each each episode's a mission that's focused on a different member of the Suicide Squad. I think that'd be pretty interesting as a concept, at least. Yeah. Yeah. You can still just do eight episodes if you want, because then it'll just leave people wanting more. Because you're more focused on the characters and the supporting characters and what they're having to go through as opposed to uh, your main uh, uh, Suicide Squad member. So, But I did enjoy it. I mean, I am enjoying it. That's for sure. I, more than I probably thought I would, to be honest. Same. It's another one of those. When they announced that he was getting his own show, I was like, why? Well, I was like, wow, that's quick. It's yeah. like the movie, like they announced it like a month after the movie came out. And I'm like, oh, y'all already playing this one. You guys were making the movie. Yeah. Okay. So. I guess James Gunn just has some more ideas for, for DC. It's like, hey, while well, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got some time to kill before I film the next Guardians movie. You know, yeah. why not? Yeah. Good. I do like the 80s kind of hair metal music that they kind of weave into this. Yeah. Uh, I, I am liking that because one thing about James Gunn, he's very particular about what music he puts in mm-hmm. to make it fit the uh, to fit what's going on during the episode. So. And he's, I mean, he's been putting out bangers, that's for sure. It's good music selection. Thanks. Um, oh, next, I guess, uh, Boba Fett. You say you just started watching it? Yeah, I just watched one yesterday. Okay, what are your thoughts so far? Don't know. First first episode seemed more just background of what he mm-hmm. went through after uh, Return of the Jedi. Or... Yeah, no, you yeah. had it right. Okay. And um, because I was curious, like, you know, he's got his own show. We're going to see what happened to him after that cause, since he survived. And so we get that, which is cool. I don't know. I just think some of the action's a little mm, kind of meh. Um, it, it does pick up more. The second episode, it definitely picks up. Um, I, I always, I said, wow, Disney really likes a train heist. Like, they... <laughs> they like their train heist uh, scenes, and especially in their Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, there's a speedster, I guess that's kind of what they are, race in the third episode that I, I've i heard from a couple others that are bigger Star, Star Wars fans than I. 
and uh, they didn't really care for it too much. They, yeah, they had their thoughts. They just didn't like because they were like different colored speedsters. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be people that are stealing water because they're homeless and stuff, but yet they have these speedsters and these powers, but yet they can't afford water or something like that. So they had some more plot issues, I think, than anything. First, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I just kind of rolled with it. <clears throat> but my favorite part is that, and this isn't really a secret for anybody that follows him. Uh, Danny Trejo makes an appearance in the third episode, and I thought that was amazing because now he is a part of the universe. So as he as he put it on his uh, one of his posts, you know, machete in space has now occurred, has now happened. <laughs> so. Uh, but I love his role. I hope they do more with it. Um, yeah, so fingers crossed. Um, but a lot happens in the second episode that is really cool. Third episode, maybe not as much, but still entertaining. So I think they're on a good trajectory. I'm enjoying the show also more than I thought I would because I'm not. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Boba Fett show. Yeah. All right. But it's definitely a different tone than Mandalorian. Um, it's just as entertaining, but just in a different way. So, but I am enjoying, I, I too am enjoying this one as well. So, this one's a little more kid friendly. <laughs> okay. um, basically, if they're watching Mandalorian, they'll be fine watching this as well. All righty. You ready to delve into our. Oh, wait, you said you finished Dexter, right? Yeah, um, it, was kind of, it was almost, I like, I enjoyed the series, because eight episodes, no, ten episodes, and for the most part, it was a strong series, and then at the end, it kind of had a Game of Thrones effect, where they just kind of, they probably could have used two more episodes, because the characters are kind of doing things out of, out of character, with what you got used to throughout the whole series, and um if they were to come with another season, I don't know what they would do. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Uh, but overall, it's good. But it felt, felt again like season eight, or for some people, the next four seasons after season four. It, I don't know, just kind of too quick pace, dropped the ball a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's go ahead and get into our first of our double feature. Uh, <clears throat> we'll start with Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. <clears throat> or as I like to call it, The Bad, Hair- the bad Haircuts Movie. <clears throat> Getting all choked up thinking about it. <laughs> oh, mercy. So The Last Duel uh, came out back in the fall. Neither Patrick and I were really running to the theaters to go see it. Um, But it is now out on HBO Max. The Last Duel follows uh, King Charles VI declared that Knight Jean de Carogues, I can never... I don't think I ever got that right every time I try to pronounce it. Settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel, which is the most 
layman's terms of layman. That's literally a summary written by somebody that didn't watch it. <laughs> Quick, I need two sentences about the movie. All right. Basically, so the last duel is written by Nicole Holo Olaf's Center. Olaf's Center. There we go. Uh, ben Affleck and Matt Damon also got screenplay credits. It's based upon the book by Eric Yeager, which is based on true events that occurred. Uh, Matt Damon plays Sir Jean de Carogas. Uh, Adam Driver plays Jacques Legris. Jody Comer plays Marguerite de Carogas. Harriet Walter plays Nicole de Carogas. Ben Affleck plays Pierre de Elinquion. I think that's how I pronounce it. My French is terrible. Uh, Alex Wather plays King Charles VI. Martin Cuscus plays Crispin. And... Yeah. So, basically, Matt Damon marries someone, marries Marguerite, and part of his, I guess you could say, dowry whenever he marries her was this plot of land Mm -hmm. that was agreed upon. The only problem is, is that Adam Driver, while collecting rent or, you know, payment for Ben Affleck's character, Pierre de Elenquion, while, because his books were a hot mess, he tries to go fix his books, trying to make, trying to collect some things. So when he goes to visit Marguerite's dad to collect rent, he ends up taking that part of the land as payment. Which you said you can't take it because that's, you know, basically been set aside for whoever marries my daughter. He didn't right. care. Takes it anyways. And then later uh, tells Mac Damon's character that it was given to him by Pierre as a gift for helping him fix his books. Later, does he find out that it wasn't willingness, I guess, a willing, yeah, more taken by force. Yeah. Then, so that's kind of step one. Where this, you know, where we're kind of building a foundation of enough is enough. I challenge you to a duel. Secondly. Matt Damon's character is supposed to have been, I guess, promoted to captain. But instead, Pierre uh, awards Jacques de Legris the the role, the duties of captain because he's, again, helping him fix his books and, you know, bring in that money. So, uh, so that's step two because Matt Damon was next in line to become captain. And basically, his squire basically just jumped ahead of him and refuses to acknowledge him as a sir, you know, as Sir Knight. And that becomes a thing. So it shows even less respect. So he's already been disrespected because he didn't he wasn't given the land that was rightfully his further disrespected because he's now not even being addressed as 
you know, someone of a high rank. So he is not his, his, uh, chill factor is definitely deteriorating. Yeah. And the third time is when they end up, you know, several years later, he, uh, Jacques Lagrisse meets Marguerite for the first time, falls in love. Uh, Sir Jean uh, heads off to go fight a war. Is he was told not to be left at the castle, but you know tells Marguerite don't be left at the castle by yourself. Always has somebody there. Mm-hmm. Well, Marguerite's mom doesn't, or I mean. Sorry, Sir Jean's mom does not like Marguerite. They do not get along, not for lack of trying. Right. Well, a little bit of trying, at least. And she decides she's going to go to town and leave Marguerite at the house by herself. Everybody went there. So then, so everybody gone except her, which seems like she would enjoy the peace and quiet, but no. She ends up... Uh, Somebody comes in that stops by and asks if he can come and warm up because his horse threw a shoe. So while the horse the shoe gets put back, horseshoe gets put it back on, asks if he can stay and warm up. She foolishly lets him in, to which Jacques Legris follows him right behind. And then confesses his love. She's trying to get as far away from him as possible, and he keeps following her. She makes it to her bedroom to try and hide, but she doesn't lock the door. So no. I don't know what that's about. Um, to which he then forces himself upon her and basically says, don't tell anybody. And of course she does. And where it gets around, he is now basically suing them and bringing it, wanting to take it to the high courts for them to decide. To which he is, of course, denying uh, Jacques Legris is denying it to Pierre, denying it to the king, basically saying, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Mind you, soon after, a few months after this happens, Marguerite ends up getting pregnant. So, and they hadn't been able to get, and they've been married five years. Mm-hmm. Her and Sir John have been married five years and hadn't been able to get conceive. And then all of a sudden, so now we're wondering whose baby it is. But it probably doesn't take much to guess. <laughs> some baby mama drama. Mari stuff. Up in this movie. They <laughs> got some baby mama drama up in this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so finally, uh, and they show this book, or this book, this movie is told in three chapters. Basically, the side, it shows each person's side. Uh, Sir John's. Um, <clears throat> Jacques Legris's and as well as Marguerite's in which the truth will be told. But even after this entire movie, I'm like, I'm still not sure whose truth, whose truth, because I'm sure they're each telling theirs, but what the actual truth is, I'm still not sure. I thought I fully know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like how they broke it up. So that way, if you want to close into chapter one, start chapter two, you want to take a break, you can do that. And each take is pretty similar. You know, it's a little 
little differences here and there, but yeah. pretty much each one's on point. So at least the story's being told accurately, I guess is to say. Mm-hmm. But um, their logic on how pregnancy works is weird. <laughs> yes. So you caught that too, right? Yeah. Did you laugh? So I did because <laughs> it's science. <laughs> like no. So, so what Patrick's referring to is there's a comment that during this trial that basically if you if you are in love with the person you're making love to you will get you will conceive basically if your if your partner is able to make you climax you will conceive yeah, or just enjoying or it. just enjoying it yeah you will conceive if you enjoyed it that's how it happens so which yes so then <laughs> in that the exact line cuz i laughed out loud when i when I watched this because of how absurd it is. But at the same time, I believe it was done that for a reason because they fully yeah. believe this back then Yeah. that the, the lawyer for Jacques LaRousse basically says you cannot get pregnant. You cannot, you cannot rape somebody and get pregnant from rape it is just, it's pure science. So basically you can't get pregnant from being raped. That's an enjoyable. It's not. A, it's not an experience that you enjoy. So you don't. So get therefore, from. yes, you can't. So, you so therefore, you cannot get pregnant. It's like wow. That's exactly what I said while laughing. I'm like wow. But that was the thinking but, back and then. And that's and that's <laughs> what I thought too. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. That's <laughs> that's you know that's 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 a position that you could take. <laughs> like, so I just wow. I was like, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I just you know, I was like, wow, that's something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just, you know, considering everything that happened, like, so if by that logic, if it's true, then that's the only reason why it happened. Because <laughs> I'm just like, right. okay. But it was like, but you're still making it seem like, well, okay, she got raped and got pregnant. Well, she enjoyed it, so like so you know it's okay. So it's okay. Yeah, basically, rape's implying, okay if you enjoy it. Yeah, like they're implying that the reason she got pregnant from the rapes because she somewhere it kind of enjoyed it. Some some in some kind of way there was enjoyment, which apparently then makes it okay. Right. I'm like, no, no, it's still rape, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I mean, even yeah. if you use their logic, it's still rape. Like it so, still doesn't make it, it right. Her will. Like it was still against her will. You still broke into, essentially broke into her house. Yep, because she was—he wasn't acknowledged as being there until the door was open, and he just went in. And he bursted in. Yeah. But Matt Damon, he made the mistake. <laughs> you remember really? that he that 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 greeting that he asked his wife to give him. That's yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, I was like, no, on the cheek, bro. It's French. Exactly. I mean, at least they didn't French kiss, I guess, is a good way to put it. <laughs> I mean, they were about half a step away. Just like a, you know, two kiss on the cheek. Keep yeah. it going. But that, I'm like, that, that was it. That had never happened. He already does, doesn't respect you, so that's the last thing you needed to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I wouldn't respect him with that haircut either, though. It's, I, told you I was getting Joe Dirt vibes there. You got Joe Dirt. I, all I could think of was uh, <clears throat> they got... Stan Lee's character from Thor Ragnarok cut his hair. His <laughs> and his and Ben Affleck's like Adam Driver's the only one that's like, I will do this. Fine. 
I'll do this movie. Do not touch my hair. Gotta have it bumped to full volume. <laughs> my ears will be way too big if if we cut my hair in any kind of weird way like his. Yeah. <laughs> uh, will anybody know it's me? It's like, uh, well, you got very distinct facial features. So I think you'll be all right. I think I'm a very piano. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, he wishes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, <laughs> this, but this didn't. So <clears throat> if we look at this at, from the movies that Ridley Scott has done in the past. Okay, Let's take your Black Hawk Downs, your Aliens, your uh, not Aliens, sorry, Alien. Yeah, we all know John. We know all know James Cameron did the first one, but think about his, all these movies he has done in the past. And that this is really kind of a departure. Because I'll be honest, I could see Aaron Sorkin doing something like this. Over. Because it's more, I mean, it's the duels, not the most action occurs at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's not a spoiler word. It's just not a very action movie. No, in between, I was just kind of like. Then there was some action. There's, I mean, there's action sprinkled in, but it's just not. But it's not. Hidden. But not as much as there is. Yeah, at the beginning in a couple other scenes, but there really isn't much. Mm-hmm. It's more of a drama piece than even an action movie, which is fine. Yeah. But you figure he's done. God, Prometheus yeah. and Alien Covenant and. I forgot he directed House of Gucci. Yeah. So, as somebody who has seen House of Gucci, how do you think it, can you see similarities in, like, at least his style? I mean, as far as how he handles the drama aspects, it's similar. Okay. But, um, the movies are too long. <laughs> yes, both of them. They're linked. They're both, like, because House of Gucci is, like, six minutes longer than this one. Right. But, I guess... If you're if you're in, into those those times, you know this is king. You know this is if you're into the medieval, yep. yeah, medieval times, and you got kind of the early '80s fashion. If you're right. into that, then you'll you'll enjoy it. But if you're not really interested in that, you're probably going to struggle <laughs> a little bit getting through it. Unless you're a fan of the cast, which I think they do a great job. Like it's yeah. not a bad it's not a bad movie. It just kind of drags a lot. <laughs> Like that meme I posted like 20 minutes in, like oh my god, it's still going. Right. I thought, I thought I was close. Thought it was close to the very end. I'm like, dang, it's like a whole hour left. I thought that too. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're finally getting to the nope new chapter. Oh, well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready for this to be a you know a nice hour and a half movie and be done with it. Could have been up for a whole ass hour. Yeah. Could have like given us two sides <laughs> combined. Yeah. Combined um, Sir John and Jacques' parts, and then give Marguerite her own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they're they're all pretty pretty much the same. You just see more of each character, how they are in each. Because I mean, another thing, you say he saved his life, and yet he still does this. Yes, exactly. That's the most disrespect. Like you literally saved his life, and he still is able to do this to you. Like that, you that pity. Right there. Like you pity Matt Damon's character throughout yeah. most of this movie. 
like there's he has some moments of because he has so much pride you know he's so prideful but i mean a lot of people of that uh a lot of knights and stuff like that that's kind of what they they're about is pride and honor you know machismo and whatnot but at the same time when you're it what kills me is that he's so good at what he does but yet his personality is just so broken i feel like a lot of the time yeah in that he uses that he uses his abilities as a soldier to kind of make up for how broken he is inside even after getting married yeah yeah he's so worried about not being good at things as a soldier as a husband because after every time you know they make love he's like well i hope you found that as enjoyable you know because he's I mean, he seems genuinely concerned that he didn't do well and that hopefully she, too, enjoyed it as much. So He's got to work on his approach. His execution's very... <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Yeah. So, I'm reading... trying to. I tried to do a little bit of a... go down a little bit of a rabbit hole to try and learn more about the more facts of this so there's not a whole lot of record of, as as when we talk about marguerite's character because you know because back then they didn't really care about keeping records of women back then so therefore there's not a whole lot so they actually had so from what uh research they were able to gather was that she was really capable and also very educated so they got that part right but they end up having to make up a lot of it because they weren't they get you know there wasn't a whole lot of factual record that was left from this um and basically they had one painting of her that over time was uh, completely worn out just because of time and everything else it was just uh, the bare minimum description of who she was and that which was pretty sad but also kind of you know also kind of a, a uh, what's the word for it kind of a paint literally paints a picture of how that you know what they thought of her to begin with yeah but that she was you know that whenever soldiers did go away that the lady of the house was put in charge of all the affairs of collecting rent of taking care making sure the the farm part aspect of it you know, the seeds got plowed and everything. And hey, if the oxen aren't working out, maybe use horses instead. Right. Well, you know, you know. Well, he says don't use the, you know, save the horses. Well, he's not here, so if this will work out, you know, if the basically if the horses have nothing to eat, then they won't be any good to do anything else. So use the horses. And he's like, I think. You have to think that a lot of them were like, oh, thank God someone capable is running this place now. <laughs> right. So, I don't care if it is a woman. She, if it if it's going to be a lot easier, let's do it. So, yeah. you know, work smarter, not, doing the work smarter, not harder approach. So, yeah. they, so that was pretty interesting. Um, but this was uh, the very last uh, government-sanctioned Got to put an emphasis on that. This was the last government-sanctioned duel in France between these two people. So, you know, many a duel occurred, but none of them were government-sanctioned. So, 
Yeah. Basically, the, I think the king was finally a little disgusted about why someone had to lose their life over something like this. So, and finally just had enough of the killing and just put an end to it. So, like, if you're going to do this, I have nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm staying out of it. I don't need to be seeing all this. So, but, yeah. But yeah, and I I like this movie okay. I may have liked it a little more than I thought I would. I wasn't really yeah. super interested in it. Uh, even after watching the trailer, I go, well, this doesn't look like something I'm going to want to watch. And I love, I, I enjoy all the actors in it. I enjoyed, I love Ridley Scott movies. Older ones. I don't know what these, I guess he's going more the drama uh, route, which is fine. I mean, every director should in there should evolve and mature and try different things and not stay in one lane. They should want to take challenges and try and do different things and tell different kinds of stories and not be stuck in the same thing. Unless you're Michael Bay. Then probably should just stay in that lane. All other all other lanes are occupied. <laughs> yes. Or just focus on what your strength is. Action. Someone else does the drama and the script. We're just gonna bring Michael Bay in for the action. He done. Man, he could make a killing off that. Yep. <laughs> but you know, ego always gets in the way. True. All right. Oh, by the way, this uh, runtime was two hours and 36 minutes. So, yeah. Need about 45 minutes cut out. Yeah. Because you're basically seeing the same story three different times. Yep. And it's not like... uh, Did you ever see the movie Vanishing Point? Mm -mm. Dennis Quaid and uh, I think Matthew Fox and a bunch of other people. It's pretty interesting. If you can find it, it does that thing where it shows an event that happens but from the perspective i think of four different people the only difference is is that it doesn't take forever to show each person's story they're like 10 15 minute vignette type thing whatever you want to call them segments that show different points of view of the same event either before before it occurs and shortly after it occurs and then all of it at the end kind of melts into one final end scene like at all all their paths and everything so it's a uh, it's pretty good um i liked it okay when it first came out i re i uh, rewatched it and enjoyed it far more than the second the second viewing because i, I think probably because i just had an understanding of what the movie was and what it's going to be like um yeah i can't remember what year it came i don't even remember who directed that'd be funny if ridley scott directed it uh, <laughs> But it's actually pretty uh, pretty good. I would definitely recommend if you could find it. It's from, gosh, uh, please tell me that's that my name. Maybe it's Vantage Point. I bet that's what it is. Yep, Vantage Point. Sorry, from two thousand and eight. Yep, the attempted assassination of the American president is told and retold from several different perspectives. 
Nope. Pete Travis directed it. Uh, Dennis Quaid, Forrest Whitaker, Matthew Fox, Bruce McGill, Edgar Ramirez, Saeed, Tegimuri, Maori, um, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, William Hurt, uh, Hope McCallie. Hope Yep, let me try and find that again and rewatch it the third. <laughs> I just thought about that. So let me try that again. Uh, but yeah, vantage point. All right. <clears throat> Moving on to our second uh, feature for today. We watched another movie that involved chainmail. <laughs> we watched The Tragedy of Macbeth, written for the screen and directed by Joel Cohen. A Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland, and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. Starring Denzel Washington as as Macbeth, Frances McDormand, of course, in it because her husband written and directed. As Lady Macbeth, Alex Hassel as Ross, Bertie Carville as Banquo, uh, Brendan Gleeson as Duncan, Corey Hawkins as Macduff, um, Miles Anderson as Lennox, Matt Helm as Donald Bain, Moses Ingram as Lady Macduff, Catherine Hunter as as the Witches Three. So yeah, big cast. Good cast. This movie is one hour and 45 minutes long. It is shot in black and white. It too is... Oh, uh, Last Duel was rated R. The Tragedy of Macbeth also rated R. Um, I'm not sure why, though. I don't think there's any nudity in Tragedy of Macbeth. Could just be that last moment. Maybe, <laughs> but, but it's... In black and white. So rated R is weird when when the MPAA has their weird rules. Yeah. So black and white, you can show blood if it's in black and white and not get an R rating because it's in black and white. It is the dumbest rule, but it's also kind of one of those more humorous things as, as to, well, of course they would be kind of silly about this. Yes, I don't know. I'm not sure either. It's not language because it's all in Shakespeare, you know, in the in the uh, in the old English, it's, you could say, in traditional. It's basically Shakespeare poetic. Her IMDb is radar for violence, which is not even. There's that not bad. much. No, well, there's not a whole lot in it. No, most of it. There's like no scenes of war. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's one all talking. <laughs> So I don't know. That might be mis misrated. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. So this movie was shot in 36 days. It was all filmed on a soundstage. It was shot right before lockdown occurred in 2020. They just got it done before. I think they had to shoot a couple of scenes uh, during COVID, actually, to finish up the movie. Yeah. But there are no exterior shots in this entire film. But basically, this is a stage play, which is really good sets. That's all. I really, I so Macbeth is one of my favorite Shakespeare 
plates. Um, performed a couple of, uh, I think once. Performed once. Did in either high school or college. I can't remember. We read it. We didn't perform, but we read it. And uh, I did watch. I think you and I both have watched the Fastbender Macbeth. Is that right? Have you watched it? I don't know. I have not. I have not. Okay. So uh, Michael Fassbender did did one. I think it was. I think I saw it was 2015, but I feel like it was a lot more recent than that. Uh, at least that I've seen it a lot more recent than that. But uh, sorry, no, it says 2015. But all right, I just have seen it more recently. Uh, that one was directed by Justin Kurzel, had Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard as the Macbeths. Uh, Patty Considine as Banquo. Uh, that one is in color, and that one's a lot. Oh, David Sewell's is also in it as uh, Duncan. But it that one I feel like in is a lot more violent because there's a lot more actual war scenes in it, which would deserve a hard R. But this one I have, yeah. I don't quite understand it. This one is de- and both of them are done in the Shakespeare. Like they don't update it to make the verbiage more modern it's you know still which is cool because the it takes a minute to kind of get like your brain had your it utilizes a certain part of your brain that you know you know when watching a movie kind of like kind of like trying to prepare yourself when you know you're gonna watch a movie that's subtitled it's a different Mm -hmm. part of your brain that's being used when watching the film because you're having to pay attention to what's on screen but also read what's on screen to fully process the information that's being given to you on the screen. In that same sort of sense, your ears are, instead of your eyes being trained, having to be retrained and watching a movie when you're reading a subtitle, your ears have, are having to be retrained and listening to what's being said to help process the information that's being put on the screen. Very interesting. And I, I find that one. I find it fascinating because I always think that's kind of cool how our brains work. But also just trying to get in that habit of trying to understand in a more poetic kind of way through imagery of through imagery of words mm-hmm. being said about how uh, the story is being told. I thought this was beautifully shot. I'm a suck. You know, I'm a sucker for black and white. Yeah. Um, always a sucker for black and white. So I knew I was going to probably like at least looking at it, if not just, you know, the actual movie, like they could have just done a crap job of acting. And I still would be like, Oh my God, but did you see how beautifully it was shot? <laughs> yeah. Cause why? Cause it, the thing is with, I think with a lot of people that don't really fully understand, um, film composition on how movies are shot and, difference how much harder it is to shoot in black and white than it is in color because lighting is completely different and setting up shots and uh how should you know to be sure you get the lighting just right of how you want that light to hit the actor or to hit the background of what's happening and i just so always have a huge uh appreciation for people that can really successfully especially in this time period where most movies are shot in color and most filmmakers aren't really trained to shoot in black and white just because it's hardly ever used anymore 
right uh to be able to successfully pull it off i really appreciate it so uh yeah what are your thoughts on the movie and I enjoyed it. I did like as far as how it shot, some of the transitions, how they used smoke effects to kind of bring characters into the view. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, my favorite character was The Witches Three. <laughs> when it started off, <laughs> I was like, that, and just just her performance and then her body torturing. Yes. Like, yes. Whenever so, whenever she wasn't on screen, I'm like, I wonder what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's doing her practicing her yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was my favorite character. Um, Me too. To be honest, um, and there was at times where I felt like, especially at the beginning, where one of the character, one of the actors was like, so I felt like he was literally reading. This, like, I think oh, it was yeah. how I think it was his delivery more than anything. It just felt very kind of robotic in a way, where everybody else yeah. felt more natural in it. But that that was just that was just that one one thing, but. Yeah, I remember in high school was when the first time we that's what first introduced me to like Beth. I think I may have mentioned it before. Uh, the teacher had it on vinyl and we were just listening to it in class and following it in a in a book. And um that was outside of Romeo and Juliet, like one of my first introductions to Shakespeare and I even went out that summer after graduating, got the full full collection of all everything Shakespeare. Only thing I've read so far is *Midsummer Night's Dream*, and then of course *Macbeth* from from high school and everything. But it is different, you know. You kind of you don't you don't read it the same way or no. listen. Yeah, but um, but overall I did enjoy it. I felt like everybody did a great job. Um, Denzel. So I'm listening. To everybody else having kind of like these English accents. He did not, but it was it was fine. Right? Fine. I'm like, oh, everybody's doing an accent. I can't wait to hear. Nope. No, give me Denzel. <laughs> so it's like, I ain't doing an accent. I'm not gonna maintain it, so we're just gonna just give you give you me. Well, and, and uh, he's apparently he played Macbeth on stage a couple of times, but never on film. Yeah. So I'm sure he never did an accent on stage either. Nah. <laughs> It's like, are you kidding me? It's going to be hard enough just to deliver these lines. You want me to try and deliver these lines with an accent, too? No, yes. I'm just broke. <laughs> yeah, I had to put subtitles on just to, you know, just to help my brain out. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's different. And um, it's different from reading it and then watching it compared to, like, it's actually on, on the play where people are going on screen, off screen, moving sets and everything. Yeah. But uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad it was on. It was under two hours. <laughs> Agreed, because there there are some parts that do kind of drag a little bit. Yeah. Because not a whole lot. I mean, a whole lot of talking is going on, but not a whole lot of anything else. So it's soliloquy after soliloquy. <laughs> um, but it. Uh, so, seeing as they both got nominated for Golden Globes, McDormand and Washington for the roles. I liked them. I don't know if I would have nominated them. I mean, there's a couple of... I felt Denzel's journey into madness was... It was fine. Could I have done better? No. Not at all. But I did not... I don't know. I didn't feel his madness. I didn't... Well, no. I didn't, there, he had a couple of parts, a couple of good 
you know, soliloquies where he was going off and everything. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's. But he's not. <clears throat> like when I think when I look at that performance of him kind of going batshit crazy and then going to. And then looking at, uh, say, training day and him going batshit crazy. I will believe the training day one more than the Macbeth one. You should have pulled from that. <laughs> you should have. I mean, I mean, it's been a minute, but still, yeah. it, it should have been that kind of deterioration into like this guy is just nuts. Yeah. And I just didn't feel that as much in this. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, because like when it when it came to people starting to I guess go against him, I just it just didn't didn't hit the way it should have because we didn't see the actual. We just didn't see it effectively. I didn't see it right. I didn't see like a natural progression of him slowly slipping into it. Yeah, so I was like, why are y'all mad at him? He ain't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Good. And then, yeah. so I don't know, but I, like, I still enjoyed it. I just don't think, I mean, I know, I don't, I guess things are, we got some more pickings for <laughs> yeah. nominations this year, but still, uh, I don't know. Captain Hunter didn't get, in, get nominations for supporting. Right. So. I just just off just off of that. Yeah. And start off, she was doing all three voices, and they had the actual visual three. Yep. And I was like, yeah, that's that's my that's who I would nominate. Right. <laughs> sure. Well, and like even when there wasn't th- three, what I like too, there because I don't know if you noticed this at the beginning when they first when he first meets the witches it's literally just her but then standing by that body of water the reflection of the other two is in the water yep. i thought that was really cool yes so they're there but they're not really there yeah. it's yeah no that's i love i mean i wanted to see kind of more of that kind of i guess inventiveness you know in in this yeah, movie but, but, cutting back to them and what they're doing so I remember, I mean, I may be remembering it wrong, but I thought there was more kind of moments where they were kind of just doing their thing, talking about Macbeth's transition to getting worse, you know, getting crazy. Right. But, but yeah. And she played the old man. <laughs> right. So I was like, that's four characters. Right? No. So, Tragedy of Macbeth is on Apple TV+. Plus. Again, uh, runtime hour forty five minutes for some reason rated R. <laughs> Not PG thirteen. Okay, uh, on to something a little bit wider. Uh, my family movie pick for the week. Uh, finally, after being pushed back, I think twice, and uh, for theaters, and then finally, <laughs> finally Sony going. You know what? We're just going to drop it on Prime. We uh, we have Hotel Trans- Transylvania Four, so Hotel Transylvania colon Transformania came out Friday, January fourteenth. Runtime of one hour thirty eight minutes, rated PG. This is the fourth installment of the uh, franchise. Uh, not sure why it got made, but here we are. It did, and. Uh, Summary goes as this. When Van Helsing's mysterious invention, the monstrification ray, 
goes haywire. Drac and his monster pals are all transformed into humans, and Johnny becomes a monster. In their new mismatched bodies, Drac stripped of his powers and a exuberant Johnny, loving life as a monster, must team up and race across the globe to find a cure before it's too late and before they drive each other crazy. With help from Mavis and the hilariously human Drac pack, uh, the heat is on to find a way to switch themselves back before their transformations become permanent. So, directed by Derek Dryman and Jennifer Kluska. Uh, film has Andy Samberg reprising his voice of Jonathan, Selena Gomez as Mavis, Catherine Hahn as Erica, Jim Gaffigan as Van Helsing, Steve Buscemi as Wayne, Molly uh, Shannon as Wanda, David Spade as Griffin, Keegan Michael Key as Murray. Brian Hole as Dracula, well, older Dracula. Uh, Fran Drescher as Eunice. Uh, Brian Arbrell as Frankenstein. Uh, oh, and Jindy, yeah, or sorry, Jindy Tartakovsky, who is the one that created Hotel Transylvania and directed actually the last, I think, three, as the voice of Blobby. So, once you can get past why did they make this movie, <laughs> and the only answer can be dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs, just for it to wind up on Prime. <laughs> um, if you've liked any of these other movies, or if your kids have liked any of these other movies, this one's going to be... This one will be fine. Um... So basically, Drac was going to retire because they're celebrating their 125th anniversary of the hotel being open. And Drac was thinking about finally retiring and handing the hotel over to Mavis and Johnny. But once Drac starts thinking about what Johnny might do to the hotel and changing it and all the drastic changes that he would not like, uh, he gets scared and size basically say, no, I'm not handed over because there's a monster clause or something like that. Uh, monster real estate clause. That's what it is. Yeah. So Johnny ends up going to Van Helsing and ends up getting transformed. Drac finds out, finds the Ray accidentally shoots it and then shoots himself and turns him into human. And then in doing so, uh, Shoots, I guess, the punch bowl, and which then makes all the punch. <clears throat> People who drink it <clears throat> turn human, and so therefore his buddies become human. So they're all trying to help find this. Ba- and then the uh, little ray, the jewel that's in there that makes does all the transformations wears out. So they have to go to South America to go find where Ben Helsing originally found this jewel to find another one to then reverse the process. And Johnny and Drac have to bond, have to actually bond um, and tolerate each other during this entire trip and, you know, learn more about each other. Now, the thing is, this is the fourth movie 
Mavis and Johnny have been married. They've had a kid. They've even gone on a cruise on vacation. Drac has found love. Yeah. Like that's all occurred in these three movies. But yet Johnny and Drac are still trying to find common ground. If they haven't done that by now, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Because so Johnny, <laughs> Johnny still doesn't feel like he's part of the family. And we're in the fourth movie. This should be like maybe second act, second movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not something yeah. we're dealing with on the fourth movie. I'm like, well, this plot seems a little tired. Or something that should have been, uh, I guess, addressed or dealt with either in the, which was dealt with in the first one. But, you know, maybe explore more on the second one. But, yeah. yeah. We're on the fourth movie, and y'all are doing this? This means y'all have no idea what you guys want to make a movie about and just found something. Maybe threw darts at the board? I don't know. That's why it's on Prime. Yep. <laughs> now, it, it, that's not to say that this movie is not entertaining and that it's not without its funny moments. Because uh, it, it is. I mean, it is entertaining. It's fine to have on. Your kids will love it kids will definitely enjoy this movie because there's a lot of silliness that goes on but as far as an actual story though it just seems like it's kind of haphazardly thrown together and could have been could have could have done with some script writing punch up but it's fine Grayson really enjoyed it she's watched it twice now I watched it one and a half times uh, first time I was doing other stuff around the house while trying to also watch this. Um, but I watched it the second time so I could fully give it my full attention. And I did enjoy it. It's definitely going to be one that kids will want to watch. And you obviously will not ha- have to watch any of the prior ones to watch this one. You'll be all right. <laughs> You'll be fine. But yes, uh, you know, would I recommend it? Sure. I mean, there's not a whole lot out for kids to watch right now. Uh, especially in theater. So, you know, if you can prior, they want something that's not on Disney Plus right now, this would be a good option. So, uh, yeah. Hotel Transylvania Transform Mania. All right. So, <clears throat> did a little time traveling. Uh, I went back, uh, I watched uh, Free Jack. Oh, you went back in time. I did. Got to go back in time. <laughs> Which is on HBO Max, but originally was released on this day in 1992. Oh, look at us. All <laughs> right, then. So I was like, oh, I guess I will talk about this today. Well, literally 30 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh, runtime of an hour and 50 minutes, directed by Jeff Murphy. It stars Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger, uh, Rene Russo, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Banks, uh, David Johansson, and even a cameo or so. Frankie Faison, who's been in other movies. Um, but yeah. So it's about bounty hunters from the future transport a doomed racer, race car driver to New York City in 2009, where his mind will be replaced with that of a dead billionaire. Yep. Sounds fun. <laughs> um. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I watched... Again, this is another 
honest trailers inspired movie that I watched and um, okay. and it was I mean it kind of got it's one of those kind of make you think like you know is that is that something that people could possibly do in the future like hey we know somebody's gonna die on this day but if we could pull them to our time and we can use their body to put the consciousness of someone who's old sick and dying you know some sick stuff rich folks do yep but um yeah, these uh, bounty hunters are called bone jackers. They're mercenaries equipped with time travel devices, and the purpose is to snatch people from the past moments prior to the deaths, and their bodies will be used as substitutes. And Alex Furlong is a race car driver who brought, right as his car is crashing into the side of a of a structure, and because of the people he's that has him captured or attacked, that enables him to escape. And he goes on the mission to try to find his girlfriend. And he has different struggles with that. And when he finally does, she doesn't believe that it's him because he knows, I guess she knows the history as to what happened to him. He's supposed to be dead. Yeah. And, you know, she thinks that, I guess she learned later on what happened. And he thinks that this is this new person that's taken over his body and whatnot. But um, so anybody that gets pulled to the future is called a free jack. And I guess he's like the first to survive in a way, I guess. That's what happened. Gotcha. And I just thought interesting with Mick Jagger in here. His, his delivery was it was it was funny. But yeah, I was reading this that he was literally brought on like not too long before they started shooting. And so. You know, I guess they were, you know, it's Mick Jagger. I guess we have him. That's going to bring more people, people that watch the movie. But for the time, it was, it was good. So uh, a little trivia on the movie. Uh, Renee Russo met her husband making this movie Mm -hmm. uh, during the production. They've been married since 92. So this will be their 30th anniversary. (laughs) Um, Yep. Uh, So, so I guess the, Test screenings were disastrous, so the producer, Ronald uh, Chusett, was uh, brought in to reshoot almost half the movie Um, (laughs) and add more character scenes and humor. Uh, Emilio Estevez has said that director Jeff Murphy let them down by focusing too much on the action. Wow. Yeah. And Sir Anthony Hopkins (laughs) called it, quote, a terrible film in a later interview. Uh, It was loosely based on the 1959 science fiction novel Immortality, Inc. by Robert uh, Sheckley. Yeah. Um, Let's see. uh, Oh, and Mick Jagger's then-wife, Jerry Hall, plays the television reporter who interviews Alex. So, yeah. Um, Linda Florentino was actually originally cast as... uh, Renee for uh, Renee Russo's Renee Russo's character Julie, but was replaced by her uh, after a week of shooting. Yeah, it it was a uh, that was a tough film apparently to make. But uh, and uh, curiously, the film's premiere event was held nearly a month after it had already been released in theaters. And the film's supposed to take place November 2009. So, there we are. 
Yeah, fun times. Uh, Couple yeah. of obvious green screen. Man, bless, bless them. It's yeah, and you I know love- what? For for what technology they had back then, though, to make yeah. a sci-fi movie like this, I thought it was actually really well done. Because yeah. I remember watching this in my teens and possibly early twenties, and actually really enjoying it because I really liked it. You know, I still do. Uh, Amelia West of us. Yeah. And Rene Russo. So I was really about this. I believe I even had the soundtrack on cassette. I don't know why, but I did. I think that's back when I was buying all the soundtracks to movies I really liked. Yeah. Or I actually liked the music or not. So, yeah. But I do remember I think I had this one. I can't remember any music from it, but <laughs> I remember I had it for some reason. I don't either. Like, I literally just watched it last week. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I did like it, despite some of the things I've said. I liked it because I wouldn't have finished it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, how did this, the podcast, How Did This Get Made, also did an episode on Free Jack. I would recommend. Pretty funny. And, uh, oh, uh, before we end, um, trailers, they released a new Jackass Forever trailer. That, I believe, is coming out later in the month. Uh, oh, shoot, I'm already in. Ah, fast forward to my planner a bit too far. Let's see here. I could be wrong. I know it was supposed to, but then they got moved again. Shocker. Okay. Never mind. I thought it was supposed to come out later this month, but nope, it's coming out February 4th. Same day as Moonfall. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, I'll probably go see Jackass instead of Moonfall. <laughs> um, but before I forget, I had, so I was looking at the nominations for the Independent Spirit Awards. And uh, the movie that you talked about last week, Zola from A24, got six nominations. The most out of any other film. So now, granted, these are all independent films, but still, yeah. of all the ones that got nominated, got the most. Uh, let's see, what did I write down? Uh, come on, come on, got three nominations in the Last Daughter. Uh, sorry, the Lost Daughter. Uh, got four nominations. Lost Daughter is on Netflix for those that wish to watch it. Come on, come on, I believe is still in theaters. Uh, might be able to rent it on iTunes for twenty dollars, but not like five or six. Um, trying to remember. Hold on, actually, have that written down as well. Uh, Independent Spirit Awards will be March sixth, and uh, been kind of going through the Screen Actors Guild Awards as well. Uh, those nominations came out this past week. I believe I posted those to our group page on Facebook. So be sure if you're not on, if you're not on there, to join that and check out all that stuff and that we put on there. Also, uh, the SAG Awards will be on TBS and TNT. This one will actually be televised, unlike the Golden Globes, but on February 27th. The Oscar nominations will be coming out. February 8th, and the awards will be February, I'm sorry, March 27th. So, a month to the day after the 
Screen Actors Guild Awards will be the Academy Awards. So boom. And that's what we got, man. I think that's all I got. So, I have nothing more to add. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to fast forward back here. Coming out this week is The King's Daughter. So, be a kids slash family movie with Pierce Brosnan as the king, where uh, someone comes into the castle and finds out that the king's daughter is, in fact, a mermaid. Dun, dun, dun. So, could be worse things. Yep, it could be worse things. Yep. Indeed. So, check that out. All right, my friend, that's all I got. All righty. That's all I got. Okay, cool, man. And uh, I guess you and I will try and catch Scream possibly this week. I probably would have, but, you know, snow kind of. Yeah, supposed to be tonight. Supposed to be going tonight, but canceled. But I don't know. I might still try. Maybe I'll yeah. probably just be safe to it tomorrow in case there's slick spots elsewhere. So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Sounds like a safe idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. No need to scream while driving to go see Scream. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, my friend. Well, I hope you have an amazing week, and I hope all of our listeners as well have an amazing week. Yes. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.